We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? I think that's the perfect segue to get us into some rapid fire. We will continue some of this conversation here in just a second. I wanted to start off with this, though. Fill in the blank. Under Armour announcing the Marcus Freeman Coaches Collection apparel line yesterday is blank. I'm so glad you started with this question because I felt so bad running Marcus Freeman down like that. But (laughs) I am so excited for this uh, coach's gear because I think Marcus Freeman, this is like what we've been talking about, right? Like we see Marcus Freeman, uh, you know, uh, wearing all this gear and then everyone's like, where can I find it? Where can I find it? And it's never in the store. Well, now all of a sudden we get it right. Like we, we, we understand what they were doing with this. They were making this a coach's line. It was limited. Um, I'm so excited for this. I can't wait. I've already looked at some of the stuff online. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's, it's exciting and it's just tremendous marketing and advertising on behalf of Notre Dame. Just another way to kind of suck that money out of us because it makes us think that it's this great new thing because it's only Marcus Freeman has wore these things. The head coach of Notre Dame, the, the guy who's, you know, all the, the chiseled face and the, and the nice hair and everything like every, Marcus Freeman is like essentially, um, a model in some regards. And so I just, I, I'm very excited for all this stuff. I mean, it's. It's finally here. Like, what's amazing to me, though, is like the timing of this couldn't be much worse. It's like Marcus Freeman's approval rate. Like, if we were, you know, politics or elections, or Marcus Freeman's approval rate is probably at an all time low right now. So, what do they do? Hey, let's announce the Marcus Freeman coaches collection, you know, on a, on a Monday when he's, when he's getting the toughest questions, you know, that he's probably ever had. It's like, if you were going to do this, why didn't you do it in July when you, you know, if you're Under Armour, when you announced the renewal of the Under Armour contract and all that? It's like, okay, we're renewing the deal for another 10 years. And here's Marcus Freeman stuff that you can get. And, you know, I guess opinions vary based on what you got. Like, I was a little surprised. I thought that there would be a little bit more in there than what there is. I mean, it's good looking stuff. It's always going to be good looking stuff. But, I was, uh, yeah, again, the timing of it is kind of what surprises me. It is about time they do something like this and actually take advantage of the fact that, uh, you know, they've got the head coach of Notre Dame who does look like a male model out there wearing their stuff and is always photographed well wearing it. Yeah, John, supply chain issues. That's exactly right. So you've got the Marcus Freeman coaches collection. Be happy with it. People have been clamoring with it or for it for a long time. 
So you brought up checks and audibles as far as Sam Hartman when we were talking about the offense a minute ago. So Marcus Freeman asked if Sam Hartman has the ability to audible at the line of scrimmage. We give him freedom in, in certain aspects to change the call, but um, sometimes there's no option to change the call. If we want to run the ball, we got to run the ball. And, and, you know, a lot of times those situations, I'll tell Coach Parker that, hey, this is a four-down situation. You know, hey, you got two plays to get the first down here. But then all of a sudden, twice it happened, we got a tackle for loss. And when we get tackles for loss, then I have to decide to punt or uh, take a field goal. So what we got to do is figure out why those tackle for losses happen. And that's what I told Coach Parker and his staff. It's, it's not as much the play call. It's how do we make sure that if we call this play, we can execute it. Um, because if we can't, if we don't have an answer for what they're doing, then we probably shouldn't call that play. Okay, Jess, that was the answer to does Sam Hartman have the ability to audible at the line of scrimmage? What do you think? Does he actually have the ability to audible at the line of scrimmage? Uh, <laughs> there was uh, some things in there that, that have me leaning like hard no. Uh, <laughs> the, the certain aspects, and if we want to run the ball, we are going to run the ball. I think when he said that – that was just like shooting himself in the foot. And then he quickly tried to divert to a topic that has no uh, relevation or relevance to what he was just asked. The fourth down situation, if we're trying to run to set up another play, that still doesn't count for if they show up to the line of scrimmage and you know you have two plays to get it, but the one play isn't showing you you know, the look you want, then why shouldn't you check out of it and get a better play to get positive yards for fourth down, right? So that, that had no relevance to the question that Marcus Freeman was asked. And so I don't, Mar, it, it, Sam Hartman does not have the ability to audible. And I think that's sad. He's a sixth-year quarterback. He knows he knows football. He knows how to read coverage, all of those things. He knows how to count guys um, in the box. And I think it's a, a huge mistake on the Notre Dame offensive staff if you don't have a built-in check for almost every play you should be coming to the line of scrimmage with a play that can be run uh, uh, that a pass play can be run and a run play can be run depending right. on what is given to you in the box and it's a Two simple options. check yeah especially if you're not going to rpo because if you're going to rpo then that takes care of it you don't necessarily need to audible because he's reading where the extra defender is and he's making his decision run pass based on that but if you're not going to rpo and you've got as you said this is this is a smart guy. He's got a degree from a degree from Wake Forest, and he's at Notre Dame as a graduate student, and he's in his sixth year. And it sure seemed like he was able to make some checks early on, but for some reason, we have we we definitely didn't see the ability to do that. And it is concerning when you hear Marcus Freeman say, "Look, if we want if we want to run the ball, we're going to run the ball." And it's like, so you're just going to keep beating your head against a wall. For no reason, because I know he mentioned it wasn't in that answer, but he, you know, he said something about doing the same thing over and over again, the definition of insanity. But I mean, that's basically what you got going back to those numbers that you just showed us with the tendencies that they have and the fact that they were not willing to adjust based on seeing an eight or a nine man box in front of them and just making a simple check and throwing the ball rather than trying to run the ball. And like you didn't even get into the fact like when you were talking about that earlier, where's play action? Where's play action in in all of this? Like, you know, again, if you're not going to let the quarterback make any changes, then as much as you want to run the ball, if you're going to, you know, if you see an eight or a nine man box and you're going to line up and it's, you know, 
regardless of down or distance, just the ability because of the tendencies that you've shown, if you at least show play action, you you might give the quarterback a chance to actually complete a pass because you're going against tendency now. Well, yeah, it's like a, if you if you come out, if you want to run those 12, 13, 14 sets under center so bad, well, it, the, have a simple freaking check where you go, I don't know, Pacific, Pacific, meaning you're going play action and you're rolling out and hitting the tight end on a boot because if they put nine guys in the box and you sell out a run, I guarantee that boot tight end uh, amongst stays uh, Raritan Evans, one of those guys is going to be open. You can just dump it down to him. I don't understand why on every third and short, it's not even a play action. It's just run it into the belly of the beast and hope something changes. And it's just not working. And it's a simple check of coming to the line, noticing nine guys are in the box when you're trying to run a play and just sneaking a couple tight ends out. It's, it's really not hard. And I don't understand how these guys, you know, Al Golden talks about all the time defensively, how, how he loves coaching here because the players are different. They're smarter. They can comprehend more. They're able to, to, to learn on the fly. They're, they're problem solvers. Well, why can't the offense do that? It's not that hard. They ran play action six times in total against Louisville the other night six times and it's just you know again like I don't know there there needs to be some simple adjustments we did see more scan offense the other night which is see I don't Notre Dame should have abused Louisville in the slot with Faison and Tyree and the tight ends all night depending on if you wanted to get vertical and speed it out or if you just wanted mismatches with your big tight end uh over the middle of the field they should have just abused them and they didn't do that uh at all. They just kept doing the same stuff. Yeah. We're, you know, it's, it's going back to all these different personnel packages. And I, I just, I think it's a bit disconcerting to see all these things popping up at this point in the season. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash Irish. Something else that was new, the Irish rotated offensive linemen the other night in the game. Here's Freeman's evaluation of that experiment. The performance of the offensive line is, is was decent. we got to get better. That's the reality. We've got to get better. And, and we had a plan going into that game to roll guys and to um, see if we could elevate the play as a whole. Um, you know, I was, I was really pleased with the way Zeke stepped up and was challenged, obviously, from the week before uh, with a couple false start penalties. And, and he really stepped up. You know, the guards were solid. We have to continue to get better. Um, but, but across the board, we have to continue to improve. And so I can't say it was great. I don't want to say it was terrible. It was just, you know, it was solid and got to get better. Solid, but they've got to get better. That's his evaluation. What do you think of uh, the offensive line performance? I thought the offensive line performance was their worst um, of the season. You know, Sam Hartman and, and passing downs where he needed to get the ball downfield. Uh, granted, I you know, maybe the play design wasn't great. And no one was getting open. But a lot of times he didn't even have time to sit back there and throw the ball. Right. There were blown blocks on run plays. There were blown blocks on uh, on trying to pass protect. Um, I saw Jabron Payne completely, you know, not not. I know he's not offensive line, but he didn't pick up a block like. Just the overall, uh, the blocking was not great um, from the offensive line the other night. And then, you know, I, I wondered during the game why they were rotating guys and it made me mad. But, you know, hearing that different guys were kind of dealing with different stuff throughout the week and then Blake Fisher's kind of hand popped up in the game. Like, it, it's more understandable why they started to, you know, rotate some guys in and out. I thought they were just doing it to do it. Um, so that's more excusable for me. But overall, I thought uh, the offensive line's performance was like a, a C minus to be honest with you. Yeah. At best five sacks. And again, like you said, and like he said, there's, there's more to it than, than just the offensive line. They're running backs, they're tight ends. You know, there's, I know that there was actually, and I thought, I thought Joe Alt surprisingly, that was the worst game of his career. I think to be honest with you slammed on that one play. I just, well, there was more than one play. He got blown past on another. I, I don't, I don't know if there was, you know, Marcus Freeman kind of hinted at this. They need to simplify maybe some of the blocking schemes. Maybe there was too much going on, and that led to some confusion. You know, I don't know how much that goes to Rudolph at the end of the day. Um, but Joe Alt uh, looked horrible. Like I said, but, worst game of his career, and the offensive line was at its worst too this season. But again, you know, like if he if he really means the we've got to coach better, then that goes back to these tendencies. Everything goes back to these tendencies because – if you are if you are that predictable in terms of run pass based on the formation that you have and the and the personnel packages that you're sending on the field, you are not putting your offensive lineman or anyone else who has to block in position to succeed because Louisville was just pinning their ears back more times than not. Five sacks, eight tackles for loss, both season highs against Notre Dame. They only run for 44 yards, 1.6 per carry. You know, it's you're not putting your guys in a position to succeed, whether you're rotating or not, when you're that predictable with 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 the kind of formations that you're showing. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. What, what were you chuckling at? I missed something in the uh, uh, Stymie said they snuck some of that Kentucky bourbon into Notre Dame's Gatorade. <laughs> they might have. I thought that was funny. Crying belly says I dare teams to load the box. On Notre Dame, I don't know if that's sarcasm or I think what that's exactly. something sarcasm. <laughs> it must be. 
I guess maybe like, is he saying that as uh, as Marcus Freeman, I guess, I don't know. It was not a good night. It was not a good night. It was not an average night. It was a below average night. Yeah, and I, I just think that the biggest contributions to this loss were uh, were play calling, one uh, situational play calling, and the offensive line stunk. I think those combinations, you're not going to win a lot of football games when when you're not calling the right plays in the right situation, and your offensive line is just having its worst day of the year. And H wants to know, 70-30, coaches versus players for the I'd issues say 75-25 is where I'd be more so at. And I would say that some poor tackling and some some bad uh, some bad offensive line blocking is at 25. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe 70-30 is a bit, a bit more appropriate. I, I think it's right around there. Because, again, when you break everything down, starting with the fact that Notre Dame was so predictable based on the way they lined up, and who was on the field? I think I think <laughs> I think it stems from that. Uh, Mr. 2.0 it sums up entirely the demonstration that I went through um, earlier today. Execution is blocking eight with six guys. That is that sums up everything. Yeah, I just talked about. So I mean, literally, like if Brian or, or if you know, like if if he wants to to sit there and say, okay, well the blocking wasn't bad. Well, you know, sure, like on that picture that photo that you showed, you know, guys technically on that play had their blocking assignments down, but you still had three guys unaccounted for. Right. So that's, that's execution. <laughs> that's on the coaches that those three are on the coaches. Like you can exactly. say that they executed. Yeah. Those three are on the coaches. DK wanted to know if, if you could whiteboard the fourth and 11, <laughs> but hunting the ball. I like that one. Very funny. <laughs> Uh, David says he does believe that Freeman has his fingerprints on the offense this year. And I'm believing he did this year as well. When you look at what this year's offense has become, and you're talking about a defensive minded head coach who wants to establish the power run game. Yeah. Who's, you know, who's talked about, I want this to be an offensive defensive line driven team. And he wants that power run game. And I mean, it sure looks like it. You had, when you were in college, from your freshman to your sophomore year, you had a defensive coordinator take over as head coach. Did like, did you feel a shift in sort of the, the, the you know, a difference in the offensive philosophy? Oh, yeah, immediately. When, uh, we, we, we wanted to took spread over? it out. wanted to spread it out a little bit more and get our guys uh, less between the tackles and, and get the ball out a little bit more. We, were, we didn't have very good quarterbacks, so it was get the ball out quick and, and kind of rely on our – like an RPO kind of run type system. And, and before we get too far uh, down this hole, I wanted to get into this comment by Crystal Rose a little bit ago. Maybe Hartman was so frustrated because he he was forced to run plays he knows isn't going to work. I think this is a, a topic that has to be talked about because I'd be pissed if I was Hartman too, a six-year quarterback, and I noticed coverage and guys in the box, and I'm told I can't check out of it and run a play that you know is doomed, right? Like that would be yeah. very frustrating. As, a, as We a had a lot of people talking yesterday about – seeing Sam Hartman, you know, like when they were huddling up on the, the sideline and the team would be huddled up and he'd just kind of be standing there to himself outside the huddle and those kind of things looking a little bit miffed. I think that that's, uh, that's a very good, valid point. You know, maybe it was like, you know, because again, it's just like, okay, we're just going to keep beating our head against the wall, doing it this way. I think I'd be probably upset as well. Joe had a super chat that he slipped in there. Thanks, Joe. He said, hi, fellas. Just dropping in. Busy making dinner. Some gnocchi. 
I saw this falls 80-20 coaching, and it's Parker and Freeman for putting up with it. I'm not sure for putting up with it, but what do you think? Um, I don't know exactly what what so like what what he means by putting up with it, but um, I, I think the majority of the the coaching mistakes came down to Parker and Freeman uh, at the end of the day, and so um, I, I'm I'm comfortable to lean on you know at least seventy percent of of the mistakes made were were coaching related, and if we want to get specific on the coaches, it's Freeman and Parker. Yeah. Joe followed it up. His exactly. biggest frustration is why bring in a veteran quarterback if you're not going to let him run the offense? Yeah, and that's – Vince and I were talking yesterday. Like, at this point, where you are with what you're up against, you've got Sam Hartman. We saw what Sam Hartman can do early in the season, and you're going to have to score some points against USC. I would just I would just let Sam Hartman cook the rest of the season. I would just let it fly, you know? Uh, and I'm not saying you're just going to abandon the run game. That's still going to be a part of your run game, but it's almost you need to to flip this in reverse, kind of back to where they were early on. Let let the pass set up the run a little bit more, and and let him let him let it fly. You you know like the slot receiver and the tight ends, like he can make a living with those guys. With with the absolutely, kind of, you know, he, he can make a living with 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 that group right there with what they've got great house Tyree and Faison Mitchell Evans Holden stays and you're going to throw Raritan in there he can make a living with those guys just let it fly 100% speaking of Jordan Faison he is now a scholarship football player and I asked Freeman about him yesterday we tr- I tried to play this yesterday but I lost the sound bite so here is uh Marcus Freeman on the newest scholarship Notre Dame football player, Jordan Faison. You know, Jordan had, had gotten scholarship offers out of high school by a lot of different football programs, um, but he is a, a national lacrosse prospect, and, and he was committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse, and, and um, we wanted him part of our football program. And so um, he's been a talented individual from – the moment he stepped on his campus in fall camp, and he has shown that he has a lot of ability. He's continued to improve throughout the first six, seven weeks of uh, uh, the season. Um, and because of some injuries, we we moved him. He, three weeks ago, he might have been on scout team. He was on scout team three weeks ago. And then we had some injuries, and we started moving him up with the, the travel squad, and, and um, he's continuously gotten better and, and, and gained the trust of his coaches. And we knew going into this game, we're going to play him. Um, I couldn't tell you that I was he's going to go and score a touchdown and have another big catch, but we had a lot of faith and trust that he could perform um, or we wouldn't put him in there. And so it was really good to see him make those plays, right? To do it in practice is one, but to make them in the game is another thing that he did it. So is he part of the plan going forward? Absolutely. And, and, and also I was wondering if you can kind of clarify, because you mentioned the lacrosse scholarship, kind of clarify what the implications of that are like what happens with this the scholarship going forward since he's played football now so he'll be on football scholarship moving forward so coach care the Gordon doesn't have to worry about that <laughs> <laughs> that's what that means is that uh, he's on football scholarship but he's still playing lacrosse too yeah oh yeah okay yeah all right so there's uh marcus freeman on on jordan phase and before i get to the question for you here, Jess, that I had 
Major Payne wanted to know how many snaps was Faison on the field. Did you happen to count snaps for not for, for Faison? Okay, okay. I mean, it wasn't. I think it was maybe eleven or twelve. I might have seen that someplace. It wasn't a ton, but obviously, he made two big plays in one drive, and then we didn't see him again, unfortunately. What kind of impact do you think that he can have on this receiving core? Um, you know, specifically, I, I, I think that he, he could have had an impact mightily on last game. And, and the reason why is because Notre Dame needed to tear up Louisville with those slot guys with Faison and Tyree quicker guys in the slot. Like I was talking about, you know, maybe getting downfield a little bit and then using tight ends in the slot if you want to go shorter um, and more underneath. And so I think he provides a boost because he can give you, you know, he, he's basically a Chris Tyree right at the end of the day. And, and so. I don't it, it's it's good depth of adding another fast and speedy player who can come out of the slot um, and really stretch the field for you and open up some things um, more underneath. And what I would like to see more is a little bit more of, you know, Tyree and him and these tight ends in an RPO game uh, potentially and using them to get, you know, street guys downfield, have a, a, a tight end route as an intermediate route underneath. And then obviously the, the option to hand the ball off in the, in the RPO scheme as well. And so I think he can be a boost. It's just a matter if they, if they want to get him in there and really exploit the matchup and then the mismatches that he can create. Yeah, I think so as well. But, you know, kind of like you said, when you've got Chris Tyree and Jaden Greathouse as other potential slot guys, I mean, they're, there's still different things you can do. I mean, if you have, you know, if, if you're multiple with your receivers, I think the thing is sort of maybe just narrowing the, you know, they're, again, as we talked about, they're fairly predictable. You can narrow down what the formation looks like, but just run different things out of it and move the guys around and, and accomplish just as much, probably even more at this point than what they're doing with so many different you know, packages and stuff that they're running out there. I mean, the, the guy's got speed. We saw some of that the other night. Chris Tyree's got speed. You know, the biggest question, I think, is what they can get from the outside receivers because that's just something that we still haven't seen so far. I still you, think you... uh, I think Faison catches that ball that Tyree dropped as well. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And I know I that's there's... easy to say now, but, like, that 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 I, if I had to, and I'm not trying to get too far off track here, but if I had to boil down that game specifically the second half, because I mean it was seven to seven, and the Notre Dame took a ten seven lead, like with eight minutes left, and like there there was uh, that game was relatively close, like seventy five percent of the time, and the Notre Dame mm-hmm. just melted down at the end. I think the Chris Tyree play started it. Um, the Maris Leofal uh, face, face mask. mask. Yep. continued it and Sam Hartman's last ugly interception is what kind of put the the dagger into the coffin and so you start looking at those two plays game changing plays Tyree's got to catch that ball um and I and I know it was a little off to the other shoulder but I don't give a crap it hit him in the hands it's in stride he walks in for a touchdown that's a completely different momentum shifting game and I, I don't think that that play was often talked about enough but that falls under again some of the player mistakes in that kind of you yeah. know 70 30 um, the ratio we talked about, but it's just, I, I think if, if you're going to play phase on, you have to be able to do stuff to get him into motion. Cause we just saw the lack of motion only 18% last game and, and put him and Tyree uh, together on the field, make it harder to, to guard some of these shifty or more dynamic guys. I, I guess what I'm saying is if you're going to play phase on, if you're going to bring him on scholarship, then let him play and, uh, and, and design some, some, some 
personnel groupings around him that really, uh, you know, allow him to shine. Maybe like you see him, Tyree and Greathouse all on the field at the same time and like a trips bunch formation. There's just so much you can do, but you have to be willing to do it. Yeah. And I mean, if you line those guys up next to each other, just kind of like what you were saying before, they, they weren't even lined up next to each other. But depending on how you line these guys up and what kind of routes they run, you're going to make the safety have to make a decision. And he's going to make a decision, but one of the two should end up being open, especially when you've got the kind of speed. You know, like if you're going to line up, like you can have Tyree and Faison on the field at the same time. And if you line them up next to each other, you're going to make someone have to make a choice, and it's going to be a choice that they probably don't want to have to make. So it's you're exactly right there. I mean, there are a lot of different things you can do. It's just a matter of how creative are you going to get and how much trust are you going to put in your quarterback? Because you bring in a sixth-year quarterback, you got to have more trust in him than what Let they've shown cook. these last couple of games. That's right. That's right. Crystal wants to know, with Faison, you know, moving up, who at this point is on the scout team. So I was going through. <laughs> I mean, they still have plenty of walk-ons out there. They've got Chase Dixon, Griffin Eifert, Henry Cook, Jack Polian, Leo Scheidler, and Alex Whitman out there. So, I mean, they've still got some bodies out there. You don't have to worry about that. But yeah, there's, there's enough guys for the scout team right now. Um, Robin said, really liked your numbers crunching. Jesse wonder why no one on the staff hasn't realized that it's again, it's amazing. You would, you would think that fill in the blank, Jesse. It's blank that the jets beat the Broncos after Sean Payton trash talked former Broncos head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who of course is now the jets offensive coordinator said, of course, remember before the season, that Hackett did the worst coaching job ever last year with the Broncos. It is karma-filled hilarity is what it is because of exactly what you just talked about. Sean Payton wanted to run his mouth about how Nathaniel Hackett completely botched the situation and it was the worst coaching job ever. And then what what happens? Sean Payton turns around and loses to a Zach Wilson-led Jets team at home. I, I, I am so glad that this came back to bite Sean Payton in the behind uh, because there was just simply no reason for this. I said it at the, when we talked about this at the beginning of the year, there's no reason to send shots like this because you're just teeing yourself up for situations uh, like this to be embarrassed after sending shots at someone for no reason. I completely agree. And the more I look at what Sean Payton is doing right now with the Denver Broncos, the more could be worse like, than last year. I, I just, I, you know, maybe, maybe he turns this into something a year or two down the line, but he was expected to come in and have Russell Wilson. Like he was going to be this quarterback whisperer and turn Russell Wilson's career back around. And the more I look at Sean Payton, the more it's like, you know, everyone talks about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Who's, who's more responsible like Sean Payton had Drew Brees at the end of the day. And he also only won one Super Bowl with Drew Brees. But people act like Sean Payton is this genius. You know, he's, I, I think I think that Drew Brees needs to get a heck of a lot more credit than uh, than what he got for, for what was happening there in New Orleans when those two were together. Especially when you, like, look at where they were. I, I just, I don't know. So, I think you're absolutely right, though. It's it's big time karma. It came right back to bite Sean Payton in the mouth. And the fact that he fired his mouth off 
you know, knowing that he was going to have to play these guys come back around, I think he got what he deserved. I think he got what he deserved for sure. So, Jess, I have saved this until the <laughs> end of the night. I know we've got a few other random Cowboys fans in here now and then, but I have saved it for the end. How do you feel about the Cowboys after their loss to the 49ers Sunday night? Um, I feel pretty demoralized <laughs> because, you know, I, 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 you look at the outcome and that's, that's, that's what it is. Right. But it was probably the worst performance by Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, um, and their entire careers at being, you know, Dak Prescott played a horrible game. Um, and really the demoralizing part is, you know, this is a, a, a considered rivalry now, right? Because the 49ers have knocked out the Cowboys twice in the playoffs now. And so this game was kind of like, uh, you know, if you lose, you lose. Like the, the 49ers have one of the best rosters on offense. I mean, look at their weapons. They have Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and, and George Kittle, right? Like those are, those are true. And then you have probably one of the best play callers and play designers um, in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan. And then you look at the defense, Fred Wharton, Fred Warner. I think Dak has nightmares about Fred Warner. He's just a dad. Like he, he eats Dak up. He plays his best games yep. um, against Dak. And then you, you add their, you, you know, Greenlaw and then you add Bosa coming off the edge and then their secondary is really solid. Like it's just a great roster. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is Notre, the Cowboys just needed to show that they, they could, they could spar. They could go eight or nine rounds with the 49ers, yeah. but they didn't close that gap at all. That gap blew open. And so it was demoralizing because I have no confidence that, you know, the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. I bet on that right now confidently, but they're not going to beat anyone in the regular season. That's going to show you that they're prepared to play the 49ers again, potentially in the playoffs. Right. And so that gap between the Cowboys and 49ers has just gotten bigger. So it's demoralizing because it just feels like we're going to waste a whole season. They're going to get to the playoffs and they're just going to lose to the 49ers the same way that they have the last three times. It's going to be another Cowboys season is what you're saying is they're a playoff contender, but they're not a legit Super Bowl contender. I had Little to no expectations going into Sunday night because of everything that you just outlined. I said it going in. If they got pushed around by the Arizona Cardinals a couple of weeks ago, what are they going to do against San Francisco? They had no chance against San Francisco. And you're right. It looked even worse last night than it did in the playoff. Nice pits there, by the way. It looked even worse. Yeah, it, it looked must, you know, so. Can things change over the course of a 17-game regular season? Of course they can. There's still a lot of football to be played. But I just am very doubtful. It's it's going to be the same old Cowboys. They'll feast on teams that are not that good against average teams. I You know, I even am, am a little bit concerned about the Chargers game this weekend. <laughs> but they'll, they'll, you know, again, they're a, they're a playoff contender. They're not a Super Bowl contender. And I am much more out on Dak right now than I have ever been at any point. Like for, for a veteran who's been around as long as he has, I he saw somebody quit. said it. Yeah. I saw somebody said it earlier. You know, Dak is, is a great person, but I just, I, I, I'm, I'm losing faith that he is ever going to be the guy. To push well, the thing the is, is with, with Dak is as soon as he gets down, he's not going to beat you. He's not going to beat you coming back because when he starts pressing is when he starts throwing interceptions, when he's got to push the ball downfield more and be more of a quarterback and, and, you know, not rely on that run game as much and just straight drop back pass. He's, he's just not good at it. And that's that's ultimately what it is. 
Yeah, Joe wants to know if they'll beat the Birds. I mean, you know, they drafted It's a much Mazi better Smith. matchup. It's a be- much yeah. better matchup than the 49ers. I think so, too. And, you know, they split with them last year when each team's starting quarterback was out. I think these games can be competitive because the Eagles have shown that they've got some questions themselves. It's been – their offense has been very – inconsistent this year for for having what they've got back and you know adding deandre swift like it's like it's just like very sluggish for a long time and then all of a sudden they hit a couple of big plays and it's into the end zone and other you know so it's it's been very inconsistent and i think that that dallas defense can contend with that it's going to be a matter of what dallas's offense is able to put up i see i see a split for the two this year and uh, i think we're what about a month or so away from the first meeting between the two so that'll be coming up here pretty i need joe well. to 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 get rid of that message tony romo was a far better Ooh. quarterback than dak prescott yeah that no hurts kidding. to see no kidding Come give on, give tony romo the offensive line and the run game that dak had his first four years uh, combined with romo's passing ability my goodness I mean, that's the shame of the injury to Romo because they had, they were building that offensive line and Zach Martin was the final piece to get that offensive line in place. And then he breaks his back in an exhibition game and he never got to lean on that offensive line and the run game. And, you know, like Romo talk about fourth quarter, like Romo is still one of the NFL's all time leaders in fourth quarter comebacks and all that. Like he gets knocked because of his interceptions and not coming up big, but he had he had like in his prime when it, when the Cowboys are like in that 07, 08, 09 range and in that area, like he he didn't have the skill talent around him. He didn't have the offensive line around him and he didn't have the defense either. And Dax got Dax had the benefit of so much that Romo never had. Dak is the better leader, but Romo was a better true quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And someone else just said the Cowboys lose every time Notre Dame does. That's what my kids told me. I swear <laughs> that that is more true than anything else. When when one of them get embarrassed, uh, it's almost like the Ohio State game. And then the Cowboys got embarrassed by the Cardinals. And now the, the yep. Louisville game and the Cowboys got embarrassed by the 49ers. And, you know, to top it all off, both those things happened this weekend. And my fantasy teams went 0-4. So I was 0-6 on the weekend this uh, past weekend. <laughs> yes, that's right. Aaron. Romo always good until he got a girlfriend. That's right. Jessica Simpson. Just blame, let's blame Jessica Simpson for all of the Cowboys' woes for the last decade or so. <laughs> Not Jerry Jones. All right. That's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. As always, a lot of great uh, interaction and uh, passion from the fan base tonight on the Lower show. those expectations, everyone. That's, that's right. <laughs> that way you'll be happy when things go well. John Davis is going to be back for the Mailbag Show tomorrow. Jesse, safe travels home tomorrow, and I will talk to you later in the week. Thursday. All right, hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.